And that's it. We are live on the internet. Hello. Hello. How's it going? It's going well. How are you? Awesome. So today we are here with Lindsay Perglove. And Lindsay is the founder and CEO of the Swimtastic Swim School. And you guys do all kinds of amazing stuff teaching kids how to swim. And you have a, a background that is unique to what you're doing. And I'm excited to hear about it. And, and that's pretty much it. Where are you guys based out of? Um, our headquarters are out of Denver, Colorado, okay. and then um, my franchise locations are in Southwest Florida. So Naples, Bonita Springs, Fort Myers, Cape Coral. Gotcha. I noticed you had a 954 area code when I called you. Are you from down here originally? Yes, I'm originally from Coral Springs, Florida. I grew yes. up in Coral Springs, went to Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School, and I first became a swim instructor over there in uh, Boca Raton, Coconut Creek area 18 oh. years ago. So South Florida is home. Nice. I, I often say that I'm one of the uh, five natives to Boynton Beach. Which is, <laughs> there's not that many of us. <laughs> there's not. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Everybody's from New York or Canada or New Jersey or, you know, parts unknown. Yes. Know? Wow. So you need to be like Boynton famous. <laughs> I should be. But I think on the West Coast, you guys got a lot more Canadians, though, don't you? Yeah, more Canadians, um, still the northern population, but a lot of people from the Midwest. I just moved um, back here from Indiana, and I see a lot of Indiana license plates, um, Illinois, Ohio, so they're following me back. <laughs> Why were you in Indiana? Uh, I was a professor there at Ball State in Muncie, Indiana, and I was there for three years, so I decided I couldn't handle the snow in winters, so I had to come back. <laughs> and what were you professing? Uh, I was a professor of sport management, so I taught Very sport cool. marketing, sport communication, sport finance, sport internships. Nice. Yeah. So, so, so that's the course, right? You you taught swim lessons in South Florida, and you liked it, and then you finished school, right? Mm-hmm. And so, so what's the course? You went to college where? So I went to college at FGCU here in Fort Myers, mm-hmm. um, and then I got a master's from Barry University in Miami. And then I went to Texas to finish out my PhD in sport management at Texas Women's University. And then through that whole course, I was teaching swim lessons because it was flexible with college. And that was my first job in high school was swim lessons. And a friend got me the job because I wasn't a swimmer. And um, yeah, I just stuck with it ever since. And then when I was in Texas doing my doc work, I found uh, our sister swim school, which is called Safe Splash. And I taught with them all through my PhD program. And then I left to become a college professor. And, you know, I was all, I'm out of aquatics. And my boss was like, why are you doing that? You're going to own swim schools. And I was like, no, that's a dream for later. You know, I'm going to go be a professor. And sure enough, he was right. Um, I saw him at a wedding that I was at. And he's like, you need to call corporate. You need to call corporate. It's time. It's time. You're done with school. And next thing you know, I was opening franchise locations here in Southwest Florida. So so, so when you were getting your master's at Barry and getting your PhD in Texas, what was the plan? It wasn't to open a swim school. I mean, what did you want to do? No, it wasn't the plan uh, at first. It was a dream back when I started when I was teaching in high school that someday I would own swim schools. Um, but I always thought that that was going to be later. The plan was to go into academia and be a professor in sport management. Um, I really like sport marketing and event planning. Um And that's what I was doing in the industry as well in between swim lessons. And then I decided I needed to start doing sport research. 
and become a professor. So that was the track that I went on for a little bit. Gotcha. And then, you know, so you finish school and oh. you do the prof professor at what school again? I'm sorry. Ball State University. Ball State in Indiana. Yep. Muncie, nice. Indiana. Mm -hmm. And were you still in contact? Were you doing swim lessons at all then? Or were you just doing just the professing? No, I wasn't in swim lessons at all. In fact, when I called uh, corporate to start looking at franchises, the first thing they said was, great, we need swim schools in Indiana. And I said, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> this Florida girl needs to get back out of the snow, back to the beach. And um, yeah, so when I made that call, that was that was the plan was to get out of Indiana and get back uh, to the warmth and sun. Um, but yeah, no, it wasn't necessarily the plan. I did miss it when I was in academia. I miss swim lessons. I miss being in the pool. I miss being with our swimmers. Um, but it was just, it was just circumstance. It kind of just all happened at the right time at the right moment and opportunity was knocking. So I felt like I had to take it. That's kind of all the best things do, you know? <laughs> so right. Um, I am actually not familiar with the Swimtastic slash Streamline brand. So you said you're a franchisee, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. So tell me about your curriculum and kind of how the, the company works and the whole, the whole deal. Right. So Swimtastic Swim Schools is a swim school that was started back in the late 90s. Mm -hmm. And then in early 2000s, it joined Streamline Brands, which is our parent corporate company, which houses Swimtastic, Safe Splash and Swim Labs. So nationwide, if you see any three of those brands, we're all related in the same company. And then our curriculum is a learn to swim program. So we will take you to water adaptation of getting in the water, being comfortable through water safety, into learning how to swim, into competitive stroke work for all four strokes, and then getting you ready for team. So we can basically be the one-stop shop for all your swim lesson needs going from six months all the way through adults. Okay. And at six months, you know, the early side, what does it include? So at six months, it's really about getting the parent or guardian in the water with the child, mm -hmm. getting them comfortable in the water so it's not like a screaming, freak out situation, and then learning water safety. So how to get the face in, how to get onto their back floats, how to be in the water and not necessarily drinking water when they're in the water. And we're seeing a lot of parents actually really like it because they weren't aware of how to hold a child in the water or be comfortable in that space because a lot of our parents are very much scared to have a child in the water and or don't know how to swim themselves. So we're kind of in that class in that swim baby class, we're getting to deal with the infant and the parent. So that's unique. Um, I know most infant um, swim training, usually rescue training, mm -hmm. uh, has the parent outside the pool. Uh, some don't even let the parent in the room, <laughs> but the, uh, the majority have the parent, you know, kind of on the sidelines as a cheerleader you know, helping the kid uh, stay stay happy. Um, but you bring the, the parent in the water, which is kind of cool. Yeah, we bring them in the water till two years old. So when the child hits two years old, they can go into our group format, which is four kiddos max to one instructor. And we do that because we do have so many adults here that aren't comfortable in the water, that don't know how to swim. And what parents and adults are doing is placing that fear onto younger swimmers and using an avoidance technique of, well, we just won't own a pool at our home. We won't be in the pool. We won't be in the water. And that's just really sad because it's a fun environment. And if you're equipped to know what to do, even at the youngest ages, 
you know, you can be a lifelong swimmer and that's our goal. Yeah. And especially where you are, there's no way to avoid water. I mean, even if you don't have a pool at your house, there's a pool somewhere, there's ocean, there's lakes. I mean, Southwest Florida is a, a hotbed of water, literally. So I, I don't think it's avoidable and not just there, but anywhere in the country. You know, the idea that you can avoid, you know, water, I think is kind of a, an illusion. Yeah. Um, and we hear that all the time is that parents are like, I want my kid to learn how to swim because I want to take the baby gate down because we're going to be around the pool or I don't want to have to rely on this and all those layers of protection that we talk about. But when we have parents that say that we're going to avoid water altogether and I go, well, technically anything that collects water is a hazard in the home. So that could be the bathtub. That could be the toilet if they were to topple over into it. It could be, you know, a cooler bucket outside, anything that they can submerge. It doesn't take very much to be in a water, you know, incident. So really making those families aware that these are skills that we can transfer to other places. And usually our parents do say with our younger swimmers, oh my gosh, my kid wouldn't put their face in in the bathtub or shower time. But now in swim lessons, they're putting their face in the water. So now bath time is more enjoyable. And it just it makes my heart so happy when I hear that, that they're using those skills outside of the pool. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. So in the, how many years have you been doing it? I've been teaching swim lessons for over 18 years. I've been a franchisee owner for just over a year in Southwest Florida. Okay. So um, since you've taken over as an owner, what's something surprising that you've stumbled across? Um, What has been most surprising for me is actually the expectations of the swimmers, um, specifically parents and adults, because there are so many people that don't know how to swim here, which I was shocked because I grew up with pools and learning, you know, I knew how to swim right away. Right. So I was very shocked to see that so many parents and adults still don't know how to swim. And then follow that up with the expectation of I'm bringing my child or swimmer and I need to learn in one lesson and be ready to go. They want it now, which is part of the culture and and the immediate gratification that we want. Um, But swimming is just like any other sport. You know, our parents and adults wouldn't go out to a basketball court and tell the coach, hey, they need to be ready for the NBA tomorrow. Right. Right. Um, But there's this expectation with swimming of it's summertime. I want my kids in now and they're going to learn because we're going on a cruise or we're going to be near water and they need to know in a day or a week. And we try to tell parents and people with those expectations that this is a sport like anything else. They have to train. They have to build that muscle memory. They have to get confident in the water. And that all takes time. And it's going to be based on how that swimmer reacts to the environment and how comfortable they can get through it. Um, You know, we want to meet their expectations. We want them to be water safe as soon as possible, obviously. But it takes time. Uh, especially growing kiddos, they have to put it all together. They have to learn how to use their limbs and breathing and all of that. So it's, it's a lot of steps. It's a lot of things to put together. Yeah. I mean, you think how many times a kid falls learning how to ride a bike and that's probably not as complicated as figuring out how not to drown in in water, you know? Right. Exactly. So we, that's the, that's the biggest shock is that we still have parents saying that, that expectation level of, now, 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 now. <laughs> and it's, it's really interesting, especially because if a child's going through like a growth spurt per se, and they start to see the child regress in lessons and the parents get frustrated. It's like, you know, this was supposed to work. This was supposed to happen now. And it's like, well, your child is growing. They just hit a growth spurt. So it's like being all awkward when we're walking and falling over the same thing happens. 
Um, I notice myself, if I gain weight, my swimming looks different. If I lose weight, my swimming looks different now that I'm past the growing phases. So all of that kinesiology aspect of the body plays a role in swimming, just like it does any other sport. So, you know, from six months to how old um, do you think a child is, you know, obviously no one is ready to swim alone and be left unsupervised, but to be, you know, competent enough to, to let's say, play in the pool with, a, with supervision? I say as long as they can sit up, okay. they're good to go. Um, that's why we start so young at six months. Anyone that's mobile can really play in the water. Um, so anybody that can sit up, you don't want to put a child in the water that's necessarily drinking the water, you know, because of non-fetal drowning and thing like that. Mm -hmm. But anybody that can hold themselves up and be on those floaties or with a life vest on um, can sit on a step just realize that supervision is the number one thing that they need because they don't know the consequences of if they fall off the step. They don't won't necessarily know that there's danger um, if they can't get back to the wall. But our young swimmers, one through four, as long they can get back to the wall, they can hold on. They can roll over onto their backs and float and you know start crying so somebody could hear them. And that's part of that water safety element is getting them to float and getting them safe. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it is amazing. I'm sure you've seen the videos like everybody else has to see a child fall in the pool and then know how to rescue him or herself from the water. You know, it's mm -hmm. it's really cool to see, uh, to roll over, to float, um, to roll over um, on their stomachs, swim, roll back over on their back, you know, get some air, you know, and then make it to the side. It's, it's a neat thing, you know, and I don't think most people realize um, how young a child can actually learn and perform those skills. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it can start very young. I mean, a lot of people will say, well, that makes sense because they were in the womb and the womb is fluid, right? So okay. it's a very natural transition. Um, but even if you aren't necessarily comfortable getting your child in the water, the fact that that child's been exposed to the water and can be used to that environment before you even start doing anything is going to give them an advantage to stay calm if they were to be in a situation that they were in trouble. And then once you can stay calm, then you can start doing the water safety techniques and rolling over and things like that. But it's usually when swimmers are in a panic state of mind, that's when they, that's when they're going to have issues and get into trouble. So first we got to be calm. Absolutely. What's the name of your dog? <laughs> that was Gunner that you just saw. That's my lime reiner. That's awesome. <laughs> So sit at my feet <laughs> at work. So most most good dogs do. Um, Stephanie and Paul and Raji say hi. And Stephanie writes, hi. Uh, "My son just started ISR Monday and he likes it. Uh, yesterday was a different story. He is five and he would have started a year ago, but after losing my son to drowning, I couldn't oh. stomach him doing it. But now it's time. And I'm I'm super glad that Stephanie is getting lessons for her son because that's fantastic." Yes. Um, one of Steph the best things that you can do is just get those lessons. Stephanie's son, Nathan, drowned several years ago, uh, I believe. No, 20 months ago, I think. Um, and they, he, she started Nathan's Water Wings um, in response to that, which is really cool. And and I think she's going to be on this shortly, in a few weeks okay. probably, which is kind of neat. Yeah, so you'll have to check it out. Yes, I will. Gotcha. So what, what ideas or um, skills or anything have you been able to transfer from your uh, PhD doctoral work into, you know, starting your franchise and, and giving swim lessons? 
Yeah. So, um, well, my background is sport business with sport management. So one of the things that helps is being able to like look at research, for example. So one of the things that I like to do for the swim companies is to be current. Um, so I'm looking at national reports. I'm looking at state reports. I'm looking at local things and trying to figure out what those trends are and what parents are looking for. And then next to that is trying to figure out, okay, what are the barriers that are keeping people from swim lessons? Why aren't they participating? Why aren't they going? And are those elements that we can add value to our brand and to our lessons to entice them to try it out, get them comfortable. And then usually they swim with us for months on end. On average, our swimmers stay with us anywhere from six to nine months because it becomes a sport activity for them. And then they're also learning water safety and becoming confident swimmers. Um, so usually it's just a hurdle of getting people over something, whether it's a fear or driving or the weather. I mean, we've got all kinds of uh, excuses when it comes to that, but we try to accommodate that. So for example, the program is in LA Fitness. We're hosted in LA Fitness pools. You don't have to be a member of LA Fitness to swim with us. But what we also realized is Southwest Florida, just like South Florida is huge. So now um, we're doing at-home lessons to service areas that those people might not drive to us because it's just too far. Um, so that was a need that we started to hear from our parents. So we do at-home lessons to make it more convenient. Um, so basically anyone that gives us an excuse, we're trying to figure out why. And usually there's some kind of industry trend that I can find. And then on the other side of that, you know, it's marketing and branding. It's building those relationships with our customers, our swim families, as we call them. Um, we want to know our parents' names. We want to know the kids' names. We know what's going on in and out of the house. We usually try to figure out their schedule, especially with our younger swimmers, because if they like miss nap time, for example, they're probably going to be cranky in the pool. And we are trained for that. We love it. If they are crying and having a hard time, we love, you know, getting them calmed down and helping them become confident. Because even if there's no swimming that happens, if they're especially a crier, if we can get those tears to stop, that's a win for that day. Right. And um, so we get excited even about little things that might not be swimming related, but definitely with positive reinforcement, we, you'll see a lot of high fives at our pool and good jobs and really trying to tell the swimmer, like, you can do this. You've got this. You know, it might not be perfect today, but it might be perfect next week. And as long as you keep practicing and having that consistency, you can love the water and be ready pretty much in any, you know, situation that you're placed in, whether it's at the beach or the canal or a lake or a pool. So it's, it's really exciting to see. And it's kind of neat, too, because at that age, this might be one of the first accomplishments they have in their lives. Mm -hmm. And, you know, once you learn how to get good at one thing, you know, it's kind of the same idea, the same set of skills to get good at anything. Yes. Um, and once you get confident getting good at one thing, you think, well, I can get good at something else too. So it's neat that this might be the springboard for their future successes in life. Yeah, we do. We try to build them up find something. Um, we do monthly uh, graduations. So as students progress through our curriculum at their rate, once a month, we're trying to find our people moving up to the next level. We call it graduation. We give them a certificate. We post it on social media and our newsletter. And we, we make a big deal about it because it's fun. Like you said, it could be their first time. Um, we're partnered with Missy Franklin, Olympic swimmer, gold medalist Missy Franklin. And she's been a big proponent of good sportsmanship and quality 
qualities that we can look at, not just at the activity of becoming a great swimmer, but what it took her to become a great Olympian, like good sportsmanship and dedication. And we're doing that through what's called Missy Medals where we're looking at those other characteristics because, you know, not everybody is going to be a great athlete and obviously not everyone's going to become a competitive swimmer, but we can build that confidence and get them to realize that they're doing stuff right and they're putting it together and we're progressing and learning and building consistency and stuff. So they master the skills. Um, so there are different ways to do that. Different swim programs will do different things. Um, some swim programs don't, do positive reinforcement necessarily programming through like a certificate or graduation. Um, but that's just something that differentiates us in the market as well. So that's really cool. So how frequently, how frequent are the lessons? We start it once a week for 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. Um, we can do group lessons, which is four to one semi-private, which is two to one or private lessons, one to one. And then we start with once a week with 30 minutes. Um, a family can add more days as much as they want, um, but they need to be in the water at least once a week and practicing and being exposed to it. Families that are in the water more usually see a faster progression, but our swimmers are also jam packed with a lot of activities. So we kind of leave it up to the family on how much they want to swim past that once a week, 30 minutes format, um, because they have a lot of activities. They're very super busy. So most of our families can commit to once a week, 30 minutes. So that's our starting point. And then are you suggesting any kind of practice in between or is that the only time they're in the water for the week? They're, that's the only time that they would be in the water with us right. at our location. Mm -hmm. um, we definitely suggest getting them in the water and practicing those skills if the parent feels confident to do that. If the parent is just going to be freaking out, scared and not paying attention, then no. Don't just let us take it. Um, and we do. We have some parents that will sit there and be like, I want to see what you're doing so I can do that when we're at the house pool. And that's great. Um, but we also have some parents that come in and say, well, I used to be a swimmer and this is how I learned. And now we're just going to throw them in and see what happens. And I'm like, oh, please don't do that, um, because that's when you start to build the fear. And then we're starting to replicate that. Let's avoid the water situation. And we don't want that to happen. Absolutely. And so um, you said they can go literally for you, you go, you know, you get these graduations once a month, but they can stay with you from six months all the way through theoretically through adulthood. Right. Mm -hmm. Yep. So we'll see swimmers stay with us, especially new swimmers, six to nine months. Mm -hmm. And then we always tell families if you're leaving because we go month to month on registration so they can drop in and out as they want. But um, we tell parents, like, if you're going on vacation, practice on vacation. If you're going for any amount of time, a different activity or whatever it is, come back and refresh with us um, because we want you to still swim and have those skills. Um, and people don't realize if you don't use the skills, you're going to lose it just like anything else. So you need to refresh. You need to be swimming year round. You need to be practicing in some capacity. And that's the other thing that we're trying to tell parents in the market is swimming is just not a seasonal thing. Like, oh, it's summertime. Let's swim. No, it's really needs to be a year round thing, especially until you're a competent swimmer that can handle any, any situation and you're strong in the water. Um, if you're still young and you're going through all those growth changes that we talked about, I would refresh at least once a year once you get through that initial lesson span of six to nine months. 
Yeah, especially at a young age. You know, I think yes. children at a, a real young age, you know, need that annual refresher course to kind of get back in gear every year. Like mm -hmm. you said, that makes a lot of sense. So what is the approximate cost if someone wants to sign up with you? Yeah, our lessons in the Southwest Florida area start at $99 a month. So that's once a week, 30 minutes, and that's for the group class. Um, at home lessons, there's a different price point and different bundles and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But we do um, second swimmer discounts. So if we have families with siblings, there's different price points. And based on how much you want to swim, it's going to change. But we start at $99 a month. And then um, that gives them access to us once a week, 30 minutes, and then they can roll that over month to month. So every month it's going to incur a new $99 fee. Um, we do have some swimmers that swim with us through grants. We have all these local organizations that help, um, you know, families in need and things like that. So there are third party funders out there should somebody say they can't afford lessons. But surprisingly enough, that's not one of the complaints that we're hearing in the in the market. Um, usually money is not it. It's usually a scheduling scared thing. Um, but on the off chance that we do have a family that can't afford it, you know, we're going to try to figure it out. Swimtastic um, has Ripples to Waves, which is our grant funding arm. And we work with, uh, when we get that money, we work with organizations to provide a swim lesson program. So for example, last year, our Cape Coral um, location got funds and we went to a local nonprofit organization and did swim lessons for foster kids. Oh, nice. And they came and swam with us for about two months. We got 11 kiddos in the water. And those are kids that wouldn't have had access because they're in the foster system. And we picked them based on they had some kind of water in their environment. So pool, lake, canal. And that's how we ran it. And some of those kids did stay on with us, which was great to see. Well, cool. That's really cool. And that's actually really affordable. Um, in fact, I would say that's one of the more affordable uh, lesson costs I've heard in a long time. So that's really cool, actually, uh, especially yeah. down here where it's, it's so necessary. So if someone isn't in Southwest Florida and they want to, you know, find someone, what should someone look for in a swim instructor if they're going to hire somebody? Well, first, come find us, Swimtastic Safe Splash Swim Labs. We're nationwide and in Mexico, so there are locations. Um, but if you are looking for somebody, especially these one-off companies and backyard instructors, not saying they're not any good, and that's not my pitch, but there are things that you need to look for because, especially in Southwest Florida, I always hear, oh, I used to be a swimmer, and that makes my heart like glow. I'm like, yes, you love this, the water. You're on our side. And then they go, and then I used to teach swim lessons, and then I'm like, oh, no. Here we go. What did you used to teach? And it's usually like, well, I learned by being thrown in and sink or swim, and it's usually a different mentality, and I'm like, oh, oh, no. So yeah. there are still swim lessons that happen that way. You need to look at their philosophy first. What is their goal? Everybody's going to say, I can get your kiddo to swim, but it's how you get there that's going to vary. So like ours is a learn to swim program. We're going through water adaptation, water safety to competitive strokes. Something like you mentioned in ISR is going to be more about floating and survival with not necessarily a swim program behind it to take the next steps. Mm -hmm. um, some of them will teach on the sink or swim mentality. Um, throw the kids in. Uh, I just saw a video last month, actually, of a swim instructor doing that out of South Florida. This guy picked the kid up. She must have been seven years old, threw her into the pool, 
and you've got mom filming it and this child freaking out crying and they're all, you know, yay, this is awesome. She made it, but she didn't look happy about it. Um, you know, and we work through tears. Tears are fine. Tears are normal. Tears are totally part of the experience, even with swimmers that have been swimming with us for a while. So if a parent sees tears, that's not necessarily let me pull them out and make them okay because they will learn how to cope with that. It's the swimmers that are freaking out, that are screaming, that are swallowing water, that look like a traumatic experience, that I would say that might be a red flag because the philosophy might be more of a sink or swim mentality. So you definitely wanna look for that. Um, And then you want to look, especially for the one-off instructors that aren't part of a bigger franchise or corporation, you wanna look at their credentials. Are they current in lifeguarding, CPR, first aid? Are they following some kind of curriculum out there, whether that's, you know, Red Cross WSI, whether that's Swim America? What are they following since they don't really have anyone governing them? Um, Do they know about the national organizations like USA Swimming, for example, and setting those standards? Do they know about pool safety? Um, you know, poolsafely.gov and all of those organizations, do they know about those? Um, are they insured, especially if they're coming to your house or community pool? Are they insured? Um, a lot of people don't ask those questions. And I'm not saying that swim lessons are a liability because we have over 7 million lessons taught without incident nationwide. And so, you know, this misconception of a swim program as a liability to my pool Not necessarily, but when you have a pool environment and say it's lightning outside, you know, these kind of things happen um, and it's it's an unknown environment sometimes. So are people insured? Do they know what they're doing? And look, are they encouraging things outside of swimming? Do they know about, you know, water positioning? Do they know about back floats? Are they doing the correct holds? Um, you know, there's ways to tell, um, one red flag that I usually tell parents is that if you're checking out other swim schools, which is completely fine, you're, you know, you're allowed to check that out. But if they are, for example, some of the swim instructors still say you need to hold your breath when you're swimming. No, please don't hold your breath while you're swimming. Don't have hold your breath contest. Um, a lot of people still teach of this whole, I don't want them to drink the water. I want them to hold their breath. And that's when you get into those passing out situations. No, swimming is an aerobic exercise. You need that breath exchange. Granted, we don't have gills like fish do, but we can get our head out of the water to have that air exchange. Um, So I've heard a lot of parents say that some programs still push that. Um, I've heard some parents say that they came from programs where they wore um, the weighted floating belts. So the swimmers were never independently swimming. Um, So... I wouldn't suggest that either um, unless the swimmer can't be positioned in the water for some reason. Right. Other than that, it should be an independent kind of situation. Now, obviously kickboards and barbells are tools that we use, but it's to swim independently, not to swim assisted would be the other one that I look at. And if a swimmer program is telling you, no, we don't put eyes in the water. We don't put face in the water. I would say stay away from that as well. Um, not saying that you have to go underwater every single time, but you need to be comfortable with your face in the water because swimming outside of the water with your face up, puts your body position in a different position, puts you in that drowning position, if you will. And it reinforces that doggy paddle kind of scoop water into your face position, which is going to harm 
the swimmer if they get stuck or panicked. So if you see those kind of things, I would say kind of stay away from it or ask more questions about their curriculum. Um, You'll see a lot of programs that say, you know, uh, the curriculum is based on the child, which which we are, but there needs to be some repetition to that because you need to build the muscles. So if every lesson looks completely different and there's no like weekly consistency, they probably don't necessarily have any flow, which means they probably aren't mastering the skills before they're moving on to a new one. Um, Yes, you want individual attention because psychologically each child is going to respond differently and have a different reaction. So you want to go at the pace of the child Um, But if the lesson looks completely different every single time before they've mastered something, I would be, I would be wary of that as well. That's great info. So you said you were really into trends and I hear myself a little bit. That's all right. Um, Tell me some trends that you've been seeing um, and, and kind of what your opinion is on them. So trends as far as swimming and sport, sport related marketing that I've been reading is um, swim lessons and the demand for swim lessons are on the increase, which is great. So people are becoming more aware. They're realizing that if they have swim lessons, they are reducing their risk of having an incident greatly um, and seeing the other impacts of positivity, self-confidence, fun, loving relationship with the water for a whole lifetime. Um, The other trend that we are seeing is that as this increase is happening, uh, somewhere along the line, uh, hiring for aquatic swim instructors, lifeguards is down. Hmm. So, yeah, so we have we have this demand going this way, but people that want to teach is kind of going this way and falling off. Um, We talk about this at the county as well in our meetings. But, um, you know, how do we get the next generation of aquatics professionals in um, and how do we get enough staff to hit this demand that we're seeing? Um, you know, you can go get a bachelor's degree in aquatics management and you can get all these certifications. And our, our staff is trained in multiple uh, CPR, first aid, lifeguard, mm-hmm. um, curriculum training, sexual abuse training, uh, you know, because we're first responders in the, in the teaching and water aspect. But we're seeing those kind of trends. So we're having this demand, but people aren't necessarily becoming swim instructors and lifeguards anymore. And there could be a few reasons. Pay could be one of them. Scheduling could be another. Um, it's, it tends to be part-time work. Um, but we're definitely seeing an increase. You know, we partner with Speedo. So we're working with, you know, a well-known brand of sport product. And the fact that they have so many products available shows that there's that demand. People want to participate in the water, whether that's swim lessons, swimming, ocean, aqua fit classes, water workouts, Pilates in the water, paddle boarding. I mean, there's just so much. The list can go on and on and on. So that's that's great that there is this you know, sector of aquatics outside of swim lessons that people can become a part of. So the demand is there, the trends are there. Uh, it's, it's definitely in a growth pattern. And then, but then now the hiring part is the next problem that we're seeing as far as stuff is trending. So if that's the case, um, tell people why they should be a swim instructor. What is, what is good about yeah. it? So the philosophy on becoming a swim instructor is different. Um, Some people in the industry will say they have to be a competitive swimmer. They have to know 
the swim skills and they have to be able to swim on a team and stuff like that. And then you have people that weren't competitive swimmers that want to teach as well. So like myself, I was never a competitive swimmer, never swam on a team, nothing. Um, but I've been teaching swim lessons for over 18 years. So you can definitely become a swim instructor. We've started a high school internship program to try to get the next generation uh, starting at high school because you can start at 16 and older. And basically learning that there is this whole industry, you know, in sport management and specifically aquatics that you can deal with and, you know, have that flexibility and work with kids. And then all these college kiddos that are education majors that want to be in a classroom, come teach swim lessons with us first. Uh, we will teach you how to command a class. You know, we do things very much structured to what a classroom is, like lining up. Miss Lindsay's in the water. This is your turn. This is the number you follow. And it's a smaller class. So it's only four kiddos. So you start to learn those basic, this is how I become a teacher mentality. Um, so we want anyone that's interested and wants to work with kids specifically, that's our demand. Uh, but we are seeing more adults in the water, which is great. Um, but anybody that wants to learn how to work with kids, how to teach kids, how to command a class, and learn water safety should really come and try it. Um, usually any swim school that I've worked for, even in the past to now being a swim, you know, an owner is going to train you. Um, they're going to have some kind of program, take you through their curriculum, mentorship, peer review. Um, if you get into a swim school where you kind of show up and they're just like, okay, here you go, have fun. Uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't work there. Uh, I would say go find someone that's going to train you how to do it and then they'll get you in. And like I said, I was never a swimmer, but 18 years later, here we are. So if you're coachable and trainable and open to feedback, we can get you in and trained to work with us. Um, there's not an age requirement, if you will. We'll take retirees that are in the area. We'll start them at 16. It's usually the ones that don't have a background that take a little bit more training wise, like more hours in the water, a little bit more handholding, if you will, versus our people that have an aquatics background. They can usually get through the training in about two weeks. Um, but yeah, we're willing to work with everybody. That's really cool. And I like the idea of people who want to become teachers kind of using swim instruction as a, a module, we'll call it, you know, in their, their overall curriculum. You know, it, it'd yeah. be neat if that was actually you know, part of the experience of you know, learning to become a teacher was a, a swim instruction, you know, internship or, uh, you know, that, yeah. that, that would make sense. You know, I, I know I, ha I, I have oh. a friend who teaches karate and oh, yeah. yeah, she learned kind of the same thing, how to deal with kids, you know, first yeah. um, doing karate classes, you know. Yeah, we see a lot of education majors, which is great, and they need hours to fill to meet their requirements. Mm -hmm. And technically we're a school, we, you know, swim school. I can right. sign off on those hours. I used to be a college professor. So all of my staff that says they're in college, I'm like, yes, <laughs> I miss college students. I will help you. What do we need to do? What letters do we need to write? What papers do we need to edit? I'm totally a college school nerd, if you will. So <laughs> I, I will help them. And I tell my staff, you know, I get it. Swim swim lessons are part-time or, but some of my instructors are working, you know, 30 hours a week across four locations. So it's a lot of time in the water. It's a lot of time with kids, but it's so fun. 
out of all the other jobs I've had, whether that was serving or working trackside at the Speedway or, or whatever it was, swim lessons have been the most fun. I mean, I get to go to work in a bathing suit. That's awesome. Everybody else is going to work in suits, you know, and heels, and, and I don't have to do that. So we have a lot of fun with the kids, and, and that's what it should be. It should be fun. It should be a fun environment. You know, we want everyone to have fun and, and have a positive experience. No, that's fantastic. And I'm glad that you've taken this direction. Obviously, there was probably a lot of other things you could have gone and done and um, maybe possibly made more, a lot more money at it. Um, but I think the, the water safety community needs, you know, uh, bright, you know, dynamic, intelligent people. So it's, oh, it's good. To, it's good to have you in the community. I so, appreciate that. Um, do you know Adam Ketchmarchi? I do not know Adam. But Adam if Adam's did. watching, we need to get in contact. <laughs> Anyone that says I need to know somebody, yes, I do. Yeah, no, Adam is the, Adam's the executive director of the NDPA, the, the National Drowning Prevention Alliance. Uh -huh. and, and he just finished his PhD in kinesiology, I believe. Um, yes. Yeah. Kinesiology, sport management. Yeah. Yep, exactly. So it just reminded me because there's a similarity. Um, and he's yeah. a great guy. He was on the news yesterday um, talking actually about the, the drowning of uh, Bodie Miller's daughter. Um, oh, I know. So Bo sad. Bodie Miller, for anybody who doesn't know, is um, I had never heard of him until yesterday, is an alpine skier, um, won uh, a gold medal in the Olympics in skiing and lost his 19 month old daughter um, in a swimming pool. She drowned during a pool party. And I don't have all the details yet, but I I know normally in that situation, there is a um, psychological phenomenon called diffusion of responsibility where everyone thinks someone else is watching. And, you know, we think if there's a lot of adults that, you know, my personal responsibility is lower, I'm gonna be less on guard because I kind of figure everything's being taken care of. Yeah. And yeah, so normally that's what happens is, you know, I think you're watching, you think grandma's watching, grandma thinks grandpa's watching and no one's watching. And the child, you know, slips in the pool, drowning is um, quiet. It doesn't look like TV and yeah. it's, and it's, uh, and it's fast. So yeah. it probably happened in the pool next to people, if I had to guess. Uh, which is um, I, yeah. I'm glad you brought that up because one that breaks my heart, you know, anybody that has to go through a drowning situation or even just a water accident situation um, is really hard. And I, you know, everybody has their stories, but on the backside of that, watching parents and stuff that have been in those situations, the first thing that I hear them always say is, this was my fault. I could have done something, you know, things like that, especially with pool parties. Since you don't know the swim levels of your pool patrons, whether that's grandma, kiddos, even friends that are coming over, um, call your local swim school and ask them who, if you, if you can hire lifeguards, if you will, um, through Swimtastic, all of my staff is lifeguard CPR first aid. And, you know, I don't want to say, take them away. But around swim lessons, if we get a call for somebody having a pool party, I will tell my staff, look, you are certified to go and do this. Technically you're protected under your certifications to go do this, but what's a couple bucks, you know, every hour. And I would suggest hiring two, right? So they can do the 15 minute switch on switch off. If one lifeguard has to go to the restroom, but I would rather hire a local lifeguard pay them right there on the spot, you know, hundred bucks for the day or whatever to protect that water. Um, even if you're only having four people at your pool, 
call your local swim schools because they know where those lifeguards are at. And if they're not working somewhere else and don't have a shift, they will come. Um, last year at Christmas, we got a call about a Christmas party was happening at a resort on the beach here. And our beaches aren't lifeguard, but they knew it was going to be at night. And they just wanted people to stand by the water should anyone wander off. They were up near a pool. They weren't even on the sand, but they just wanted people there. And I was like, we will find you people. And we sent two people on their lifeguard training to go do that. Um, so if you are having any gathering, ocean, pool, boat, and you don't feel like you're competent enough and or you're going to be socializing, definitely get those people out there because, I mean, $15 an hour for a lifeguard is nothing in the grand scheme of things. Um, you know, so definitely make those calls, ask those questions. We'll usually find somebody that can help out, especially if they're certified and ready to go. And that's, that's a great idea to call an organization like yours to have, you know, a swim instructor of some kind, you know, actually doing it, you know, in addition, obviously parents should be watching their kids. And, you know, we, we always say that if you're a mom, you know, watch, make sure you're watching your kid. And if every parent is watching their own kid, hopefully we have supervision. But uh, but yeah, hiring somebody like that, that's, that's a great idea. I like that yeah. a lot. It, it, it's been very helpful. We've gotten a few calls about it and I you know wish more people did that. Um, but usually like what you're saying, we thought somebody else was watching. Mm -hmm. And also the, the regular person might not know what to look for. They might be looking for what they see on TV, right? The panicking and flailing. Right. A lifeguard is going to know to scan the bottom of the pool. A lifeguard is going to know, okay, if this child is kind of doing this with their eyes wide open, even if they're not doing, you know, they know what to look for where mom and dad, grandma, grandpa might not know what to look for. So definitely call those people and try to get a professional out there um, to help in that situation because they know what to do. They're trained to do that. They have the equipment to do that. Um, so it's just, it's just a better situation, especially because we've heard parents, you know, oh, my kids were in a floating device, right? Like those little tube things. Right. And it tipped over. And mom and dad had their hands on the kid, thought they had it because they felt that the kid was still there, but the kid was actually face forward because they weren't visual on the kid. Um, and that's with all those devices, wings, floaties. There's risk to those because they're not 100% either. So you can get turned upside down and parents are like, oh, they're in a floaty. They're good. You know, no, you need to watch because you just don't know. So if you do have those professionals around, they know what to look for. Absolutely. And so we, we talked about this a little bit, but as we you said, you know, drowning doesn't look like what you see on TV. You know, what should someone look for in someone who's drowning? What does drowning actually look like? Drowning actually looks like the opposite of what we see on TV, right? Silent, maybe a quick breath and then they're under eyes bulging out usually some form of panic um that's if they're conscious um a lot of people can slip and fall knock themselves out dive to the bottom of the pool hit their head and then they're unconscious and then it's just the body laying there um and and you don't really see any attempt to try to rescue themselves so it can look like absolutely nothing that we think it looks like. Uh, it's usually very silent, no splashing. And usually it's just that instant of submersion and they're floating or under the water. Um, especially if they were to get caught in like a drain situation while they're conscious, that could be more of that underwater panic as they're trying to save themselves. But usually the drowning is going to happen. They either swallow too much water, hit their head, something like that. And then they're under within a matter of seconds. 
Yeah, we usually tell people to look for that that vertical doggy paddle kind of thing, you know, like they're yeah. trying to climb a ladder. Position. Yeah. Yeah. Like they're trying to climb a ladder, you know. Um, and I mean it's really true. I um was in front of my brother um as a child, uh literally drowning in front of him. And my mom came and yanked me out of the pool and she said, you know, why didn't you call for help? And she said he looked fine. He was, you know, I was looking at his eyes, he looked okay, you know. Mm-hmm. He, he looked fine. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, even even two feet away from you, you know, people sometimes don't realize the the danger that you know someone could be in. Yeah, I have a similar story like that when I was younger, and my mom was just reminding me of this while we were prepping for this, and she's <laughs> like, "When you were a kid, she left my brother and I up at the pool. So our house we used to live in California was on a hill, so we had layers of our decking. There was like a lower deck and then the upper deck to the pool." And for whatever reason, I think I was like seven or eight years old. My brother was a toddler. She left us up there to eat lunch in a tent. And we knew to stay and eat lunch and and everything. And my mom was like, I'm just going to go run down and grab stuff because our kitchen and stuff was on the lower level. And my brother, sure enough, tossed his sippy cup into the pool. No fear walks into the pool. I know that the middle of the pool is deep, so I don't go in for him. But at seven and eight years old, I go to the gate where she sees and I'm having one of those panic attack. Like, you you know, something's wrong, but you can't scream for help. So I'm like, <laughs> you oh, know, no. yeah. and all she knew, my mom knew was that I'm panicking. And her first instinct was to run up to the pool to go grab my brother. My brother's completely fine now. But had I not known that that was a risk that could happen as the child, you know, supervising, if you will. I, that could have gone completely different. Um, and, and I have a lot of water stories like that from my childhood because we did have pools and, but um, you know, it's same kind of situation. You have a sibling near you, you think somebody's old enough to do something, but I wasn't old enough to go on the deep end of that pool to go get my brother. And if, you know, what if I couldn't have found my mom, you know, you start to think about those things and, and all of that, um, you know, and it, it can be just the littlest thing that's going to make you be in a water incident. My dad, for example, years ago in our California pool, he was moving rocks gardening along our pool. We had all this foliage and stuff. He was just moving rocks and he decided to rinse down the dirt of the bricks and then keep moving the rest of the rocks. Well, he slipped into the pool with a rock. The rock landed on his knee. Oh. And he went in. There's a big ding in that pool <laughs> um, from the rock in him. But he broke his leg because that rock fell. And luckily, somebody saw him go in and they were able to get him out. My dad's 6'8". He's a big guy. So to get him out of the pool was a hassle. But I remember that as a kid. You know, it was just him gardening and he fell into the pool. You know, it's just these little things that you don't think of that can put you into a water incident, even if you don't mean to be in the water. Um, and it happens all the time, kids through adults. So you need to be ready. Absolutely. And, you know, like you said, a lot of drownings take place when people don't plan on being in the water. And, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of kids drown, um, especially under five, when they weren't thought to be near the pool. Yeah. Is that Gunter? Yeah. He's- <laughs> Doing on stuff. I You're fine. Sorry about that. No big deal. <laughs> uh, it's awesome. But uh, yeah, you know, most most children who fatally drown were last seen inside the house. Uh, lots of times in their room, you know, a percentage of them sleeping um, nowhere near the pool. You know, you, you don't even think about them possibly getting to the pool. Um, so to think that you only need to worry about 
pool safety, you know, in a pool environment, obviously, you know, isn't the case. So, you know, given these stats and given what we know about drowning, you know, what do you suggest that parents do to, you know, make their pool safer? Yeah, well, definitely never swim alone. That would be the first one. But um, don't avoid the pool. Don't avoid water. Don't use that mentality of I'm just going to stay away from it. You know, our barrier fencing and our cages protect people coming off property and people outside of the home. But those barriers really don't protect people inside the home. So like what you guys are all propon- you know, proponents of with the pool fences around the pools are great. Um, those door alarms are fantastic. Uh, even if you don't have a pool and you have kids that escape, I say get those door alarms. They are loud. They work. Um, I've demoed them with Paula from the Safe and Healthy Children's Coalition. And you can hear them. You can hear them across the room. You can hear them in the next room. Uh, get those alarms and know that, you know, they don't have to be hardwired in like a home alarm does. They literally just stick to the door um, mm-hmm. or window. So I would say get those. But my whole thing is get them in swim lessons. Let's start there, you know, cause not every pool is gonna have a cage not having a pool or water in your backyard. Okay. It keeps them safe maybe at your house. But like you said, if you go somewhere else, you didn't give your kiddo or swimmer the, the tools that they need. Pretty much. I say, if you can become a strong swimmer in the water at the pool with swimming, floating, whatever your goals are, then pretty much you should be able to handle any situation, whether that's ocean, lake, canal, Um, and I was doing a speech the other night at a meeting and one of the gentlemen asked, you know, I'm not a strong swimmer in the pool, but I want to learn open water swimming. And I go, well, it's very similar. Um, usually if you get caught in a rip current situation, for example, the ocean, instead of trying to swim out of it, you should float and let the current take you so you don't get tired and sink. And he's like, I never thought of that. Never would I have thought of that. I thought there was some like strong Superman, type technique to break those currents. And I go, no, it's actually kind of the opposite with floating mainly, but even treading water would help you in something like that. um, As long as you don't get tired. And he was just like mind blown. It was just so great to see that people were thinking outside of the pool system. So that was really great to see. And those swim lessons are the first way to combat that and refresh those swim skills are the first way to combat that. Um, Even when people tell me, Oh, my kids can swim. They're great swimmers. Of course, we've been swimming since they were little kids. Great. Awesome. Let me see it. And usually it looks um, some version of swimming. Usually I'm seeing more doggy paddling. Usually I'm seeing a kid underwater holding their breath as long as they can, trying to see how far they can swim, Um, which is great. But they don't have the stroke work. They don't have the technique. They don't have the air capacity um, because they're not using their lungs in air exchange. So even if they say they know how to swim, Get in a refresher course. The techniques are always changing. There's different things that we're looking at to see what's the latest and greatest and effective in swim and water safety. So definitely, if you haven't been in the pool, get back get back to it. Get to lessons. Perfect. And when we wrap up here, is there anything else that you'd like to get out there to parents before we, uh, we finish? Oh, there's so much. <laughs> I could talk all day about this. Are you kidding me? Yeah, um, yeah we... Basically, what we tell our parents is come try it out. Even if you're scared yourself, get an adult class. 
Um, Swimtastic Swim Schools does a free trial class. If you just want to come try it out, see what the environment is, we're welcome to that. In the off chance that we can't fulfill what you need, whether that's scheduling or something happening, it doesn't happen very often, but sometimes, you know, we get that one, one person that we can't, can't get swimming or usually it's not swimming. Usually it's something else that's keeping them from getting into swim lessons. I am happy to refer you to somebody else that can meet your needs. Like before we did at home lessons, for example, they wanted at home lessons. I wasn't filling it. So I was willing to send them to another swim school because we all work together. We're all trying to get there. So I think if you find a reputable swim school, they're going to encourage you like, Hey, if you don't want to swim with us, here's somewhere else you should try um, right. because we all want everyone swimming. And we do, we work together. We volunteer together. We want everyone swimming. And that's what I tell my staff as well. You know, everybody can swim. There's no reason that anybody shouldn't swim. Even if they're crying and freaking out, they need to stay in the water and learn how to swim. There's just no reason. And we do, we have a lot of parents that'll say, well, my kid doesn't like it. They're crying. They're three years old. So I'm going to pull them out of the water. They don't want to do it. And I go, no, please keep them in the water because pulling them out of a lesson like that and giving them that power, you're hindering them. And that can impact them for the rest of their lives. So unlike other activities, swimming is going to save their life if in a situation, but it's going to make them love the water. They'll be ready to go boating. They'll be able to go to the ocean. They can take that trip to the islands and be okay. You know, this is something that they will keep for the rest of their lives. So usually we try to tell parents, you know, this is a lifelong skill where, you know, other activities you might like it for right now. You might come and go. Um, out of those activities, you know, we don't need you to become a competitive swimmer. We would love it. We would love you to become the next Olympian, hang out with Missy Franklin and, you know, all those people. But you don't have to, but you can be competent and you can be confident in the water. Perfect. And where can folks find you? With website, Facebook, Instagram? Yeah, you can find us at swimtastic.com mm -hmm. and you can click on the website and register right online. You can enroll online. We have a call center, so you can even call in to us, um, and all that's on the website as well. And then we're also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, under Swimtastic Southwest Florida. So Perfect. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for having me. This was great, and I can't wait to see all the comments. And if you Absolutely. guys need anything, let us know. Uh, hold on. Before we go, uh, Stephanie asks, here's a question for you, Lindsay. Uh, more and more children are being born with special needs, such as autism. Do you work with special needs children? Are you certified to handle children with behavior problems? Yes, we will take children with special needs, um, nice. swimmers with special needs, especially because actually special needs populations are more likely to have a water incident and drown. Yeah, the, um, but the yeah, statistics, we, the, yeah, the stats on children with autism and drowning are are mind blowing. They're yes. insane. I, I think the stat is something. Um, around nine out of 10 literally children who um, who wander off who have autism um, are fatally drowned. I mean, it, it's, it's at that level. It's really, really high. Um, so yeah, critically important, like you're saying. Yeah. And that's because the sensory um, issues are looking for something to soothe their senses and calm usually whatever they're going through. So yes, we will take swimmers with special needs. Um, we do see, you know, Down syndrome, autism, um, some muscular things and they want to be in the water because it's no impact. And usually those families want their kids to be in a regular group class. So the four to one format, because they want them to have an activity of an inclusion. 
So we will try to keep them in a group class with children their age at the same ability. Um, usually the only time we have to suggest a private is if they aren't high functioning. So even non-high functioning swimmers can still get in the water and be in that environment. Um, and with our small class sizes, four to one, usually we have a quieter environment. It's not so much like in your face stimulation um, necessarily in a class. And anytime we have a swimmer with special needs, we just ask the parents to kind of clue us in on on what that child needs or maybe what their triggers are or how they are going to respond so we can let the instructor know, um, you know, hey, just heads up if you, you know, touch their shoulders, for example, they might freak out. You know, it's just those little quirks that our special needs swimmers might have, um, but that shouldn't keep them out of the water either. So definitely come bring them. We'll try it out. And we definitely work with those parents as well. Perfect. All right. Well, thank you again. Um, swimtastic.com, right? Yep. Swimtastic. Swimtastic Southwest Florida is your Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, et cetera. Yep. And, exactly. and that's it. Thank you. Thanks again. I really, really appreciate it. And thank you so much. And if you guys need anything, let us know. And if anybody has any questions, even non-swimming related water safety, give us a call. We're definitely willing to help out. Awesome. Thanks, Lizzie. Thank you, Eric. Have a good day. Bye.